Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming to our little group. Thank you. This is a good bite. Lots of chocolate chips. malpractice madness of 12-hour shift and starring as the love interest in the creature feature romance after midnight as of late brea grant has been making quite a name for herself within the horror genre and with the supernatural home invasion thriller lucky which will be streaming on shutter beginning march 4th grant shows once again that she's a name worth paying attention to directed by natasha kermani and written by brea grant lucky follows author may played by brea grant whose life has hit a bit of a rough patch her last book didn't sell as well as her last, and her relationship with her husband Ted is on the fritz. And to make matters worse, May wakes in the middle of the night to a masked man standing in her yard. She wakes Ted, but rather than him being alarmed, he simply rises, picks up a golf club, and matter-of-factly states, that's the man who comes every night and tries to kill us. This is the premise of Lucky, which turns the traditional home invasion premise on its head by incorporating a time loop of sorts. Ted gets the drop on the intruder, striking him in the head, but then the intruder's body is gone. Did he escape, or did he disappear? While May has countless questions such as why is Ted so calm about this entire ordeal, or why are the police so blatantly unhelpful, and just who is this masked man, the reality of her predicament sets in. She is on her own. Literally and figuratively. Between Ted and the police's seemingly being purposefully uncooperative in explaining or listening to May, a paranoia begins to set in. Perhaps there are unseen forces at work here. Do characters know more than they're letting on? Or are they all just pawns being moved by an unseen player? These questions continue to swirl and circulate, and not helping matters, May and Ted get into yet another fight, and this time, Ted leaves the house. And then, the mystery man returns. What entails is a fight for May's life, resulting in her throwing the intruder down a flight of stairs in which he breaks his neck. And yet again, just as the evening before, the intruder's body suddenly disappears. May finds herself falling into a cycle of defending her home night after night, alone, while attempting to uncover why this is happening to her. 
And after a few evenings of watching Mei fight for her life, it becomes very clear that the why of her predicament isn't necessarily the point of Lucky's narrative. Lucky delivers numerous gratifying scenes of Brea Grant kicking the mysterious man's ass, these instances playfully shifting the female protagonist versus killer antagonist power dynamic on its head. It also becomes clear that the film's premise and violence primarily serves as a feminist dissection of the realities of being a woman in what is a constantly threatening man's world. If you're looking for a definitive explanation for why this is happening to May, you're going to walk away from Lucky pretty disappointed. The film's premise is largely a metaphor for the reality that women are constantly in danger no matter where they are or the lengths of precaution they take. The mysterious man who appears every evening serves as the boogeyman depiction of the film's messaging. I mean, it isn't exactly a coincidence that the killer's transparent mask obscures his face just enough to hide his defining features, meaning, other than being male, it could be anyone under there. In terms of the fight scenes, the mysterious man has a taskmaster-like mysticism about him. Initially, he's easy to kill, but as the evenings and attacks persist, the man becomes more likely to predict her movements. And then he breaks the rules. The killer begins materializing whichever weapon May brandishes, whether it be mace, a knife, or even having the keys to her place. This ever-evolving threat does allow the film to maintain its tension every time he shows up as the invincible boogeyman. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. You might worry that this time loop of home invasions would become tiresome, but the film smartly and consistently evolves on the fight scenes with each instance of them. On the fourth or fifth fight, May's feelings of fear give way to annoyance at the man's continued premise. May's feelings of fear give way to annoyance at the man's continued presence. Seeing this adversarial relationship grow from one based in fear to annoyance not only provides some brief levity, but acknowledges May's becoming used to this pattern and the film's passage of time. But what is more terrifying than the unkillable antagonist is Brea Grant's script tackling the other, less confronted reality, women are not listened to. This materializes in the film's conspiracy-esque depiction of characters seemingly refusing to help May. At one point, May has contacted the police so many times about the killer appearing that they assign her a social worker. Despite May giving clear answers about what is happening, the social worker weaves their own narrative about the reason why this is happening, ultimately forcing the blame on May, the victim. There is also the portrayal of the acting detective that continually returns to May's home and asks her the same questions, completely unfazed by the lunacy of her predicament. This does add a bit of levity that helps to even out the film's rather on-the-nose approach to getting its messaging across. Brief bits of absurdity such as the detective matter-of-factly stating, I don't think he's going to come back, after his visiting May for the previous three evenings definitely got a chuckle out of me. But then again, within the context of the film's messaging and the reality that women aren't listened to or their worries aren't taken seriously, is it that absurd of a moment? This sentiment comes to a head in one of the most memorable moments of the film in which May is being treated by numerous emergency personnel. As a medic takes her vitals, she is simultaneously berated with numerous questions from a crowd of cops, medics, and social workers, none of whom are listening to her responses. It's an uncomfortable moment and one that drives the film's messaging home. It's just that the film's handling of this important messaging isn't exactly nuanced. The film's messaging gets somewhat muddled given the film's handling of balancing its social commentary and supernatural narrative. 
It isn't that the film ends without giving a definitive answer as to the why behind May's predicament. I really don't have a problem with ambiguity. But given a majority of the film is spent with May attempting to uncover the mystery behind the why, it almost feels like wasted effort. This results in the messaging not being seamlessly injected into the narrative. Rather, the messaging is the narrative. There are also elements that I found to be distracting from exploring the actual messaging of the film given it is the actual drive of Lucky. For example, there are inconsistent rules to the supernatural world that seem to lack any real meaning on the outcome of her predicament, and thus are distracting. There's an end sequence where May finds herself in a parking garage and sees countless other women being attacked by their own mystery man. While this is visually haunting, the only problem is it continuously breaks the rules of the film's world. Why are all of these women being attacked appearing only now to May? Why didn't one of the characters who appears in this scene believe May earlier in the film? While Lucky may not be constructed to learn the why of what is occurring, the inconsistency in the ways the film's world operates feels heavy-handed, dispelling any illusions that scenes aren't constructed solely to explore the messaging rather than organically playing out within the film. While the film's handling of its messaging feels somewhat messy, the longer it goes on, Lucky does provide an entertaining remix to the home invasion template. So be sure to check it out on Shudder when it arrives on March 4th. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.